2: Bob Seska show Bob Seska Sorry folks
3: park's closed the moose out front should have told you The Bob Seska show
1: From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, July 7, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I am Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 536 of the Biden-Harris administration, 120 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska, Twitter, Bob BobSeska underscore go, and Patreon is BobSeskaShow.com. Life is so goddamn weird sometimes, isn't it? And a great example of that is my friendship with Donald Trump's niece, of all people, the amazing Mary Trump. Today's interview goes back to September 2021. Mary and I talked about her must-read new book, The Reckoning, our nation's trauma and finding a way to heal, about America's battle with PTSD following the Trump presidency. We also got into the post-Civil War era and its similarities to today's bag of dumpster fires. Don't touch your podcast player. Seriously, this is a good one, so stick around. Meantime, if you like what you hear today, please help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at patreon.com slash show. All right, any expert is going to tell you that step number one in getting your personal finances squared away so you can start saving for your future, maybe sleeping better at night too, is to get your credit card debt paid down as much as possible. But if you've got maxed out cards and too much debt, it's difficult to know where to start in that process. So why not refinance your credit cards in a super low interest rate and save a ton of money every month? Here's how you do it. With Lightstream, you can roll your cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as 4.98% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Conveniently, all in one place. You don't have to think about all the different cards you gotta pay down. Just one payment every month, once and done. You get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and there are absolutely no fees. And just for my listeners, you can apply right now and get a special interest rate discount to save even more the only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot slash C-E-S-C-A. Link in the description at com. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR. Include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash sesca for more info.
3: more
0: fun more music the bob seska
1: show do you watch lower decks do you watch that star trek show
0: i've seen i saw maybe three episodes a while back probably last year
1: what am i missing about this show why should
0: i watch this i'm you shouldn't okay (laughs) thank you okay you're not missing anything because there's nothing it's ridiculous it
1: seems like an unfunny version of Family Guy set in a, you know, a starship in the Federation. And they're all
0: assholes. Yeah. They're total assholes.
1: <laughs> I'm so relieved to hear that because I feel like, man, am I just being a curmudgeon? Am I just, am I too yeah. particular about my Star Trek? Well, no, good. There's no
0: such thing. Come on. Okay. okay. too God. particular about your Star Trek. <laughs> no, it, it's absurd and I don't. I mean, if there's something to get, I don't get it.
1: Okay, well, I have no idea why they're doing it. I have no idea what they're doing with Star Trek these days, but you know, I have no
0: <laughs> idea why it's still on. I mean, Did it get picked up again? It's just the, yeah. And I actually, I gave up on Discovery. Oh my god, what what convinced you to do that? Um, I mean, I'm not. I don't want to say gave up. I took a break from it. Yeah, because they they kept adding people and uh. get like diluting the power of the group and (laughs) losing focus on the you know and and they I don't know. They just kept getting rid of people I liked and adding new people that I, there's just no time to get to know them really. And I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I, am, am I missing something?
1: I don't know, but maybe it takes usually 75 episodes for a Star Trek series to find its footing. I mean, that was the way it was with uh, next generation or it was, it was more like two seasons, like more like 50 episodes. Yeah. And now we've got these shows that are in shortened seasons. So yeah. you've got to do many more seasons to get to the point where do you like, do you like discovery? Uh, you know what? I only seen maybe a few episodes in season one, oh, okay. and I, I have to go back and re-watch, but uh, it obviously didn't grab me because I kind of stopped watching.
0: Um, right, and and I, I think the other problem with the first season of Discovery is it has one... It is probably the worst scene of television I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what scene <laughs> like is it's that? It's cringingly bad. Um, it, it's just between Michael and the tall guy with the weird feet.
1: Yeah. With a memorable name, obviously.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. The guy (laughs) with a really memorable, memorable name. Right. Um, So, you know, that was a kind of problematic (laughs) for me. And, um, although I don't know, you're right. It takes time and it does matter that there are only 10 season, 10, whatever episodes. Right. Yeah. Definitely is a game changer in terms of how things unfold. Um, actually I think, did I mention this last time we spoke? I I would I started rewatching uh, Deep Space Nine. Deep
1: Space Nine, yeah, yeah, you mentioned that, that.
0: Actually, did not take a lot of time to get good.
1: No, not at all. In fact, they were cranking on all cylinders. By the time Deep Space Nine came out, it was uh, they could basically do no wrong. It was Deep Space Nine, and then right on the heels of that, Voyager. I think they mm-hmm. were overlapping, and um, yep. it was like the golden age of Star Trek in the modern era. And then something happened after Voyager and I'm not sure what that was, uh, Alex Kurtzman probably, but I don't know yeah, exactly probably. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. And also
0: like I, I mean I I don't dislike Picard as much as you seem to. Oh, I I, I haven't I, watched the second season yet. Yeah. Um but I was really I had high hopes for uh pro, um what was it called? The um spin-off the, the discovery spin-off they were going to do with um, oh
1: right Chelyette. with pike yeah yeah i don't know anything about that but you know i mean with picard i didn't hate picard I, i'm fine oh, okay. with picard it was just some weird choices in there yeah. that i was hoping they would reflect more of the next generation atmosphere of that show and they kind of started to do that at the beginning but then they lost it. It became more of a discovery kind of shoot up show, which is not yeah. really, I like my Star Trek long and boring.
0: <laughs> Me too, yeah. honest and like really character driven. So now yep. it seems like it's all about the action with the like social message, just kind of really just ridiculously blunt and unsophisticated.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Like,
0: you know, right. everybody's gay, everybody's transgender. And that's mm-hmm. great. I obviously have no problem with that. But it's just like it's a statement. It's not part of the story.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. They're lacking compelling characters. They're lacking compelling stories. And I'm not sure what the formula is. I don't know what's missing. Uh, you know, we all had our complaints about Rick Berman during the next gen movies, but you know, mm-hmm. look, I, I think he he knew what Roddenberry wanted more than anyone else who wasn't Roddenberry so I think that's uh, true yeah so maybe you know you give it back to Rick Berman (laughs) I don't know if that's going to be the solution or if that's going to be creating all new problems but yeah it's kind of a hard time to be a Star Trek fan right now I think almost as hard to be as a a Star Wars fan too which I am (laughs) you know that's a whole other story
0: that's probably why I'm rewatching Deep Space Nine and mm. then we'll probably rewatch. Actually, you know what? I'm so ashamed to admit this. I've never watched Voyager. So really? So you think less of me now. but um, No, I don't. I don't. But on it's my list.
1: It's definitely worth watching. It's a different kind of show. It's much more like Next Gen than it is Deep Space Nine. But, uh oh,
0: that's great. For, I love Next Gen. Uh, Next Gen.
1: Yeah, and love of course, it. it's got a great cast. It's got a memorable cast and some the cast interesting storylines. I lines. love
0: the character was Seven of Nine.
1: Yeah, Seven of Nine and and Kate, Kate Mulgrew, of course, is amazing mm-hmm. in that and Tuvok is a compelling character. It's got some interesting stories in there, plus lots of the Borg later on. It becomes right. very Borg-centric later in the series. So. I
0: think it came out, though, when I, I... There was a long period of time when I didn't watch TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh... I think it was around then maybe
3: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if I watched next generation in real time. Yeah. Other, so oh, yeah. anyway, I'll yeah. get to it. Uh, cause I'm still, cause the other problem is he, despite the fact, even though it's, I mean, I think it's, a, we're in a bad Star Trek time. Mm hmm. Even if it were good, 10 episodes doesn't take you very far.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And you know what? Generally speaking, Star Trek is better than most. Even the, the shittiest yeah. Star Trek is better than the best episode of other shows, so, especially okay. shows well, that try to copy it.
0: Except for that one scene I'm talking about, which will make you rethink all the, of the guy
1: who we neither life. of us remember his name. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, I think his name is, in real life, his name is Doug something. Y- yeah, Doug exactly. Doug yes. Jones.
3: Yeah, yes. yeah. Doug Jones. Do you-
0: do you watch the um the vampire? It's like uh oh my god, my brain I, I will say Has no before you even brain. say
1: before you even say the name of it. No. If it's the a vampire thing, probably not.
0: Oh, but it's it's funny. It's yeah. it's like Big Brother in a vampire house. <laughs> and it's by the guy, the Australian guy who did uh JoJo Rabbit.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's Aika Waititi. yeah.
0: Yes, thank you. Right. Um, another name I can't remember because it's so common and boring. Um, so anyway, Doug Jones guest starred in an episode, but that's why I thought of it. But anyway, uh, it 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 is true that Star Trek is generally speaking better. Also, just in the context of the universe, like you know, and and I I'll give me Star Trek over Star Wars any yeah. day. Yeah. Although I do I love
1: Star Wars. But. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well Star Wars is my main thing. But with Star Trek, the problem with Star Trek is it runs off the rails when they try to not be Star Trek. They just have to own being Star Trek.
0: Exactly.
1: And when they don't own being Star Trek, when they kind of apologize for being in a Star Trek universe, that's when Star Trek sucks. And uh I think that's, and you know what's that's it.
0: Really weird, like Ted Lasso wouldn't have happened without Star Trek.
1: (laughs) That is also true. There is a similar kind of hope and optimism, especially with next gen and uh, an overlap with Ted Lasso. God, that's a great observation. Thank you. Yes.
0: But it's true. And then when they run it, when they exactly, when they apologize for, you know, holding up a vision of hope and kindness as if we don't need that right now.
1: Yeah. Oh my God.
0: It is, it is depressing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ted Lasso came along at at just the right time. And I'm speaking not even in a societal sense. It came along at a good time for me personally because Mm -hmm. I've been experiencing this. And I guess it's a good good way to segue into The Reckoning, your new book. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder, I mean, I... I mean, I haven't been diagnosed professionally, but I feel um, a sense of unease and, uh, you know, occasional depression. I mean, since since being vaccinated, it's been this ongoing uh, process of of trying to evaluate how I feel about all of this and how I should not only relate it to other people, but how I should deal with it myself. I mean, for me personally, Mary, it was four years of nearly falling over backward in my chair every day. And that constant yep. sensation, I always describe it this way. There's an old Stephen Wright joke where he talks about leaning too far back in your chair and you catch yourself just at the last minute before you fall over backwards. And he says, I feel like that all the time. And that was the, the punchline. And I feel like that all the time, right? At least I did for a good long time, waking up every day to a new disaster, a new insult, a new set of crimes against democracy. But for you, it must have been particularly difficult for you, given the direct family dynamic, that connection there. How are you personally coping with all of this?
0: Well, first of all, rem- this sort of reminds me of another Stephen Wright joke. Uh, he says, I walked past a diner that had a sign in the window that said breakfast served any time. So I went in and I ordered French toast in the Renaissance. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wish we could choose
0: which time to be (laughs) right. (laughs) No kidding.
3: Um,
0: It's uh, I think I sometimes I need to do. I think what I say in the book, which is don't deflect. Don't say, hey, you know, other people have it so much worse, Mm -hmm. which is true. But that doesn't mean it's not terrible. Right. Yeah. Um, Just because. Other people, so many people have it worse. Does it mean that we're all not suffering? Mm-hmm. And for me, the probably, oh, I just sounded like George Han for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know who he is, but
3: yeah. Uh-
0: <laughs> a great, he's a great Twitter follow. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. <laughs> and he does this uh, parody of right-wingers saying it's all about, you know, for me.
1: Oh, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course.
0: Um, So the hardest aspect of it, for for me is what you just said the personal mm-hmm. stuff and, yeah. and and it was certainly that way at the, uh after the 2016 or before and after the 2016 election mm-hmm. and then the infinitely worse thing was just this uh horrifying um intersection of what was happening with covid in my life so You know, as I write about in my first book, my dad died alone in a hospital he'd never been to Mm -hmm. because of Donald, who was at the movies.
3: Wow.
0: And um, I also have terrible asthma. So because of Donald, hundreds of thousands of Americans suffocated to death alone. Yep. (laughs) And that continues to blow my mind. I just kind of can't grapple with it. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. You know, the problem with trauma, and I think this is probably what you're experiencing, is that once you're traumatized, every subsequent trauma takes a bigger toll than it might have otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, the the ground gets softened by the original trauma. Yeah, yeah. And we've been re-traumatized. Those of us who care, anyway, those of us with empathy. I said this to a friend of mine recently, like, it's a terrible time to be a person with empathy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. you know? Oh God. Yeah. It's like, we, we feel things deeply. And um, so a combination of that and the sense of helplessness and the sense of that, the people who should be fighting for us, aren't, it really, really, really takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, anybody feeling like you feel should definitely you, you go, see see what is going on because that's the other problem with this uh, timeline um, is that you absolutely could be suffering from PTSD because who hasn't been traumatized? Um, by the same token, it could just, not just, but it could, it could be stress-related because the stress we've all been under is oh, yeah. insane, mm-hmm. but it could also be physical because – the stress takes its physical toll and the isolation takes a physical toll. So how do you, how do you even sort out what's really going on Uh, in a way? I'm not going to say I'm lucky I had PTSD already, but it did help me negotiate. I'm sorry, navigate some of this because I knew when I was having symptoms because Mm. I've had them before. So that's a, a lot of the uncertainty out of the equation, like, Oh, I'm dissociating. Oh, this is because of that. Oh, I got triggered. And I understood it. Mm -hmm. So not, not having that knowledge, um, just adds to the confusion. I think.
1: What are some of the symptoms of PTSD that we should all be looking out for?
0: Um, anxiety, uh, like hypervigilance, uh, check and check. Like yeah. startle reactions, depression, dissociating, which is when you just kind of check out, like you're still aware of what's going on around you but you just kind of don't feel anything, which is my favorite symptom. Um and in in really bad cases, depersonalization, which is the sense that you're not real. Mm-hmm. Um or Derealization, which is the sense that nothing's real, which is quite terrifying. Yeah. Um, there those two are actually quite terrifying. So it's important. Um, I wish I wish the government was doing more to educate people mm-hmm. about what could have could be happening to them. Um, like there should be PSAs or something teaching people about depression and about uh anxiety and i mean i just think about like what's what's going on with substance abuse disorders or domestic abuse situations ptsd stress-related illnesses it, pe- because we're still in the dark and we're still isolated and i swear we're going to go into another lockdown uh, now yeah in the, the not distant future
1: yeah yeah and that's uh, a terrifying prospect i mean You were talking about uh, disassociating and um, one of the symptoms being not really grasping what's real and what's not real. I think one of the things many of us are coming to terms with, Mary, is whether our anxiety is based on a genuine assessment of our politics. In other words, are things we're observing about the rise of Trumpism and all of its uh, aftermath – Are those things legitimate or is it just partisanship? And, you know, I cover this stuff every damn day. I've talked about it for my entire professional career. And I'm sitting here and I'm wondering, am I getting bent out of shape just because I'm a partisan? Or am I getting bent out of shape because these are all legitimate concerns? Whether it's the big ones like climate crisis and pandemics. And then you come down the line and you talk about the insurrection. And then you talk about all of the indignities of uh, the previous administration, and I'm constantly evaluating in my own head whether these things are just being seen and shoved through the prism of my partisanship or whether these are legitimate concerns that are creating this anxiety. If we're experiencing these emotions and this trauma, are they based on substantive real-life things?
0: Uh, absolutely. There's no question. Mm-hmm that our concerns are legitimate, um, we get proven right every day. What's maddening is how well the right makes us doubt the legitimacy of how we feel because they mirror our attacks in a quite effective way. Um, so when they scream, communist socialist Marxist Leninist which makes no sense and we say rightly fascist yeah then it's like oh you know they're both just calling each other names um when we take the insurrection as seriously as it should be taken then suddenly they're saying it was like a tourist visit (laughs) so um they're always um it's it's sort of like um, er, eroding the the ground upon which we stand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, slowly over time. So the fact that they do that so expertly, they co-opt language so expertly, makes it even harder for us to make our case because sometimes nuance and 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 complexity are what <laughs> what's required. You know, it's it's hard to put some things on bumper stickers Mm -hmm. or in a tweet. Um, So that just makes it all worse. But I think it's important to own it and, and not uh, drive yourself crazy by questioning it. I mean, how, how can we not think that catastrophic climate change is a real thing about which we should be deeply concerned. Mm-hmm. Or that um, uh, a per, the person sitting in the Oval Office inciting an armed insurrection isn't something that needs to be dealt with uh, with with a lot of, of ferocity yeah. and uh righteousness. Um so again, the problem is just that they they counter us very well, and they project so well, and I'm at the point where i I just don't listen to them anymore because mm. uh until the media start doing their fucking job jobs and ask them, well, either you know if you're going to have somebody on your show, you ask them the first question you ask them is you know was the insurrection bad or whatever hopefully they'll phrase the question more eloquently <laughs> and if the, if the answer to that question is anything other than yes." cut your mic and say yeah. goodbye <laughs> um, and also ask them to define your fucking terms. Sorry, I'm mm. swearing. I'm so mad right now. Um, That's fine with me. Texas. Um, oh, actually SCOTUS. Um, what, what is, what is Marxism? What is co- in which, in what way are Democrats uh, far left? In what way are they, are they communists? Mm-hmm. Define your terms. Yeah. I, kn- I know why the Republican party is a party of fascists. I know what a theocratic apartheid state is. I can explain it to you. They, never, they are never asked to explain themselves.
1: And you know, one of the things I've noticed too, Mary, is it's not just coming from Republicans. It's coming from people, commentators, people of influence from outside the political debate who look mm-hmm. in and see what we're you know, discussing on Twitter every day or on Facebook, and they're like, oh, it's just both sides, my team versus your team. That's all this politics is all about. And to me, that's a form of gaslighting that makes us seem like, well, I guess I am imagining all of this. I guess it's not a big deal because it's just, uh, again, it's just both sides butting heads, and oh, I hate your team, and they hate my team, and and that seems to diminish the degree and volume of the concern, and that that's one of the things that makes me go, what, "Am I blowing this out of proportion?" I mean, what's what's happening here?
0: Oh, it, you're not. It's so dangerous. What what's what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the whole horse race model of media and, yeah. um, the, the fact that, um, they need to normalize everything, mm-hmm. um, is, is one of the m- main reasons we're here. Like, I, I realized this in 2017, you know, nature pours a vacuum. And so too, to the American media, <laughs> um, <laughs> they need somebody to be presidential. Um, they need somebody that fits their narrative
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, or they need to make the person fit their narrative. Um, so what do we do about that? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's why, honestly, that's why on Twitter, I only follow people who agree with me.
1: Yeah. It's sort of the thing. I mean, I, the number of times I've hit hide reply block on Twitter Yep. Um, not only because someone's trolling, but just because I don't want to fucking hear it <laughs> yep. I, I too many times to count. It's uh, it's one of those defense mechanisms that we have to employ. And I'm glad that it's there. I'm glad that feature on Twitter is there. Otherwise, my God, the, and we the still tro- get the
0: news. Yeah. It's just filtered through friendly voices. Mm-hmm. So it's not I don't feel like And obviously Twitter isn't my main news source. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like I'm living in, in some kind of bubble, mm-hmm. um, but I don't I, I am absolutely at the point where I don't want to I, I don't want to hear what they have to say. I'm not interested in anything, any Republican um, elected Republican or voting Republican has to say, yeah, they are dangerous and. Um, you know, I, on Twitter today, it's all about Texas Taliban and Sharia law in Texas. No, it's not the Taliban. It's not Sharia law. It's American Republicans.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't need to compare them to anything else. They are are um, this horrifying mix of white supremacist, white evangelical, um, kleptocrats, essentially. Yeah. And you know they're just as bad as as the Taliban but they're not they're just a bunch of old white guys who uh want to turn this country into an autocracy
1: yeah and i'm so glad you mentioned that because i've kind of bristled at the notion of describing the republicans as taliban or as Nazis, where there are elements, obviously, of overlap. You create a Mm -hmm. Venn diagram between the modern uh, Mm -hmm. Trumpism-centered Republican Party and Nazism. There's lots of overlap of those two Venn diagram circles, certainly. Definitely. But what it does, by confining it to the definition of Nazi, we end up missing some of the things that are unique to what's happening now with that particular faction, uh, that doesn't get described when you're describing what Nazism actually is. But ultimately, mm-hmm. you, you have to define this faction for what it is. And it's not necessarily something that we've seen in the past.
0: Right. And, you know, that you make the exact right point. Nazism it was a fascism peculiar to Germany. Yeah. You know, we're going to need, unfortunately, it might it we might be stuck with Trumpism, which is not good (laughs) for me personally. But um, I mean, partially, too, uh, because it it's not Donald. I mean, this has been a long time coming. He's the face of it, for sure. He he um, got the ball down the field much farther than any other Republican would have dared. Um, But. The problem is people like Mitch McConnell Mm -hmm. and well, all of them who enabled him, you know, they used him, they enabled him and here we are. Um, So it's going to be very important to be clear about this because like you said, yeah. Analog, the analogy can be helpful, but only to a point. Mm-hmm. We need to deal with what is actually going on, because to use too many metaphors, it it, it does it does def- diffuse the um, the th- threat. Yeah. That yeah. people should really be feeling, <laughs> um, you know, because it's not. Um, I guess you know they feel like it's over the top or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why, again, we need to be really clear about defining our terms and, and be very careful about how we use language. But we also do need to use the language. We do need to say fascist. We do need to say theocratic,
3: mm-hmm.
0: apartheid, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, insurrectionist, seditionist, et cetera. Otherwise, um, we, I guess a lot of people are just going to pretend we're still living in a free and fair society that's a democracy with free and fair elections, and none of that's true. Oh,
1: I know it. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Back with more Mary Trump right after these words.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: The Bob Seska Show. How do
1: we best confront friends or family? if they're suffering from trauma, post-traumatic stress, and so on, and we're noticing some signs that, okay, well, this person who I know quite well is acting differently, they're more erratic, they're more aggressive, or you know, some of the symptoms that uh, you were listing earlier uh, on top of all of that, how do we best confront those people if we see signs, see the warning signs of all of this?
0: Uh, you mean if they're not recognizing it?
1: yeah if they themselves aren't recognizing it, which is it's hard to self diagnose so it's you know because mm, oh yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and one shouldn't really <laughs> right um, <laughs> although I you know we need to be aware enough to, to to realize we might need some help for sure um it's it's tricky um because well like, i I guess it depends on where they're coming from, you know, uh if they're open to to it, that's, that certainly makes it easier. Um, but I think it's just, like who who isn't feeling horrible in some way? And yeah. I think one thing you can do is share your own experiences. And because unfortunately, we still live in a society in which mental health is some kind of luxury and mel- mental illness still has stigma. So like, if there's any shame involved, which there shouldn't be, and that's why I talk about my PTSD openly, because it's not, there's literally nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that happens to people um, is just share how you're feeling. And then you can segue into your concern because mm-hmm. you know how bad you're feeling and you can imagine what's going on with them. And if they're, especially if they're not talking about it, cause that's just going to exacerbate and compound the situation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then I, I guess see how it goes from there. But, um, I hate the idea that people who are struggling with everything that's going on either feel they either can't seek help or are, are suffering so much that they don't even notice Yeah, that it's, it's something that's changed in them. Um and again that's that's where like having having uh psas or whatever it would be or something I don't I think they need to st- um, create a new cabinet position yeah just to deal with the mental health fallout from covid.
3: Mhm
1: absolutely it um, should go hand in hand with having vaccines. There's a mental side to this that a vaccine won't cure.
0: No, and you said it earlier, and and this is exactly what I've been started thinking about last fall. Uh, I can't believe it's been a, it was a year ago, and I we're still in this mess, right? Um, that we're only going to see how bad things are when people start emerging. Now, I didn't realize that we were going to have to go back into hiding again. Yeah, but you know, with the vaccine, we can. Um, not go back to normal completely, but still get out more than we did. And I think a lot of people thought that it was going to be a miracle cure in terms of the mental health stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And as you say, <laughs> the vaccines don't do that. And it, it was really, and when we started all going out, like you, I, I have friends who are extroverts who suddenly had serious social anxiety. Um, I had friends who are introverts who were suddenly like, not careful about being around people because they craved human company so much. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have, I, I have so much rage. Like I never used to be an angry person. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I never used the word hate. I never really felt hate. Oh my gosh.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this I is know.
0: Rage I know. and hatred. And that's, that's really bad for you. Yeah, You know, it's yeah. really, really unhealthy. Um, So the best, uh, again, the best way to approach somebody is to normalize it to the extent that, hey, you know, we are all in this together and it's not just COVID. It's it's how we're feeling yeah. and how we've been feeling.
1: But I, I feel much more cynical now than I was ever mm-hmm. before about my fellow human being, certainly my fellow American, where I feel like, yeah. Well, millions and millions of people are letting us down. And that generates this degree of cynicism like, oh God, well, I can't trust anybody because anyone who confronts me on the street or I pass by or I sit next to in a restaurant or walk next to at a grocery store, they're breathing poison irresponsibly and it's going to negatively affect my entire life and everyone I know potentially. And to me, that's the mindset that I wish I could somehow shake off. Uh, But I've seen too much video of people acting out and doing stupid, irresponsible things. In fact... Mary, I'm so glad that you wrote this book because it's such an important approach to this period of time in which we live. And and one of the things I was noticing, I was noticing how drivers have become more aggressive on the road. And sure enough, when I did some research, there are reports from all around of an uptick in reckless driving since last year. And likewise, the number of FAA investigations into unruly airline passengers, which we've seen many, many videos of, has in fact tripled this year. It's at its highest mark since they started counting them in 1985. It's at its highest level this year than any previous year. It seems like people are acting out more than usual. Uh, and people normally act out in our narcissistic social media driven nation. But this is a new level of aggression that we haven't seen before.
0: Yeah, it's it is in the driving statistic you just referenced. Think about how many fewer people were driving last year. Yeah,
1: That is true. And yeah,
0: Still, there was this enormous mm-hmm. increase in aggressive driving, dangerous driving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to write a chapter about this in the book, but I ran out of time. Um, (laughs) You know, the psychopathology of largely white women, but exclusively white people having extraordinary temper tantrums, like literally toddler-like temper tantrums in public because they were either, you know, they were asked to wear a mask or... Who knows? Like something stupid or they, you know, they needed to pr- show proof of vaccination, just epic <laughs> meltdown. Mm-hmm. And it's not, a, it's, hard, it is hard sometimes to know. Is this just anecdotal and inaccurate because of course that those are the videos that are going to get posted on Twitter. Right. But you're right. You know, the data you, you reference show. That yes, indeed, uh, there are increases in this, and it's it's really difficult to figure out what what it's about. And I think it's because it's about so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the worst, th- among the many many despicable, diabolical things Donald did, was give permission to people to be their absolutely worst selves. Oh yes. Cause he's always his worst self cause that's his only self, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so that plus this decades long, um, project on the right to promote ignorance and belittle expertise, um, to drive this anti-science rhetoric, um, to keep people uneducated, to convince people to vote against their own self interests et cetera, et cetera, um, I think has increased their people's sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this this increase in I want what I want when I want it. And this in, incapacity for delayed gratification. Um, so. There's a lot, there are a lot of factors that go into it. So it's, it is hard to isolate what, what are the most significant. Yeah. But it's really disturbing because you can say, and I have, I have been saying this for a while that yes, when I go somewhere and somebody's not wearing a mask, I'm furious with them. However, you can't entirely blame them because a lot of these people voted for the people, put their trust in the people who are telling them not to wear masks are telling them not to take COVID seriously, or telling mm. them not to get vaccinated. So the blame lies squarely with Republican leadership, starting with Donald on down. Um, however, t- throwing a temper tantrum, threatening other people in public because they had the audacity to tell you to wear a mask, attacking um, waiters, Um people who work stocking the shelves and target cash cashiers, whatever attacking them for doing their fucking job, mm-hmm. which is now includes trying to keep people from getting killed by COVID. There's no excuse. There's no, you can't say, Oh, well, that's because of Mitch McConnell. It's, it's creepy.
3: Yeah. To yeah. see
0: adult human beings behaving like dangerous toddlers,
1: Yeah. And it was a reflection and it remains a reflection of your uncle's behavior as president. And what I think a lot of people didn't understand, certainly going into the 2016 election, if not the 2020 election, is that. Yes, this isn't, uh, we're not electing a dog catcher here. The president has influence. The president sets the tone for the country, not only in terms of our politics, but in terms of our overall demeanor and behavior in society. And it's now, I mean, that observation is writ large. I mean, we see it every damn day. We open up social media and there's a new video of someone reflecting the same kind of attitude that was drilled into their heads from the bully pulpit for four years and that's part of the damage that has manifested as a consequence of that presidency that it has coarsened our society and already coarse society i mean we went into the trump presidency already being somewhat damaged by our politics but now it's far far worse because Everyone thinks, well, the president talks like that, so why can't I? The president's demanding all of this, that we fight, 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 so why can't I? And that seems to be the prevailing attitude.
0: Yeah, why do I need to be kind? Why do I need to care about other people? Um, Why can't I uh, be racist? Mm -hmm. And I I think um, one of the biggest failures of the media for which we're going to be paying for a long time was it's uh, um inability to treat Donald the 2020 candidate as the criminal twice impeached um traitor that he was and mm-hmm. is so it was like we know and the obviously the republicans certainly knew that Donald there was plenty of evidence to remove him from office both times he was impeached. Mm-hmm. But simply because they didn't, the media once again treated him like a normal candidate, as if the fact that he didn't get convicted in the Senate meant anything, as if it exonerated him
3: somehow. Right, right.
0: Um, so that therefore gave 74 million people the opportunity to endorse everything he did.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that increase in 12 million people also shows us how the disease was allowed to metastasize when, between 2017 and 2019, the absolute worst dregs of our society were represented by 100% of the federal government. And their despicable views weren't just endorsed by Donald, they were championed by him. As you said, the guy with the most powerful bully pulpit on the planet. So here we are. Yeah. I'm well,
1: you know, in in part one of your book, and this is sort of pivoting on the, the racism aspect of this, because what, what we've all seen is that with the rise of Trump comes the rise of, racists just being more open about their racism than maybe at any time in the last 40 years i mean i remember racists being very open about their racism when i was a little boy and there were you know restaurants like sambos and so on you could see it just it was everywhere but since then it dissipated but now it's coming back and in your book, and in particular, part one of your book, you write about Reconstruction, and this is sort of, this is right in my wheelhouse. What what are the some of the connective threads between twenty twenty one and that post Civil War era?
0: I I think there are unfortunately a lot of yeah, them, yeah. Um, and that's right. You're you're a Civil War guy, so uh, you know this stuff probably better than I do. Um,
1: I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Um reconstruction was should have been a time of enormous potential and a- actually quite extraordinary things were accomplished. Thirteenth, mm-hmm. fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments were passed. But um, you know, in the at the end of the day, it was a it was a monumental failure because um white uh white northerners were pretty friggin' racist too. Yep. And they chose to make common cause with the traitorous confederacy rather than continue to support uh, black Americans mm-hmm. and um, basically abandoned black Americans in the south who had the franchise stolen from them for the next hundred years. Um, and we're still dealing one, we're 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 still fighting for voting rights, which is yeah. obscene. Mm-hmm. But to me, the the most heartbreaking thing um, is imagine what this country would have been like politically if uh, that hadn't happened. If if blacks had been not just extended the franchise, but actually been allowed to vote and influence. Uh, their government. No, oh, yeah. I mean, think Mississippi had two black senators during Reconstruction. Oh think yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just horrifying. Um, and I, I think also just the the utter unwillingness of whites in power who may be on the right side of things, but you know their unwillingness to fight for it for God's sakes, mm-hmm. and just make concessions that aren't necessary and that end up. Um, putting this country or turning this country in a direction that is antithetical to what they claim to want. Um, It's, I I don't quite understand how Republicans during uh, Reconstruction and Democrats now (laughs) didn't understand and don't understand the threat.
1: And a lot of it had to do with The Lost Cause running concurrently with Reconstruction and certainly after Reconstruction that's when the Lost Cause really blossomed into a full blown societal crisis for anyone Mm -hmm. who wasn't a white guy. And one of the things with the Lost Cause was first of all, it was much more damaging as far as I'm concerned to post-war America than actually ending Reconstruction. Uh, Obviously, ending Reconstruction gave rise to the KKK and pursuing any black person who decided to run for office, driving the ones who had already uh, been elected to office out of office, just terrorizing black people in the South. And that would continue on for, uh, you know, 100 plus years. But with the lost cause, there was this attempt to, as you said, unify the country by creating a common enemy and black people. Like, both northerners and southerners could agree, oh yeah, those black people are terrible, let's unite around that. And that manifested all kinds of awfulness that we see still today. I mean, the lost cause is as alive today as it's ever been. We see that with, you know, the, the controversies over removing some of the statues and some of the protests that arose out of that, leading, in one case, to the death of Heather Heyer in Charlottesville. These are all ideas and uh, damage to our country that we're still grappling with today. And it seems like every once in a while, the lost cause gets new fuel. And I think the last four years and that presidency and what it has allowed, that's lost cause, full blown. And I I don't know how it gets bottled up again.
0: Well, uh, Bob, first of all, you actually answered your question about my book better than I did. So. (laughs)
1: That's good. I don't know about that, but okay. Well no, you did
0: because that's actually that's a that I mean it's what I said was part of the answer, but the lost cause is is the most important part of the answer because mm-hmm. it's not it's not just that it's you know rears its ugly head once in a while. It's worse now. It's been legitimized. And this to me is um one of the reasons we need to look back before moving forward um, and hold people accountable because it, it's not just the last four years, it's much worse. It feels like it's unraveling really quickly, but the reason it is, is because this has been, we've been working towards this crisis for probably since the reconstruction. Yeah. Um, Gerald Ford pardoned Robert E Lee. That's insane.
3: Yes
1: it is.
0: Um so it's bad enough that there are still statues and, and of him and publicly displayed that he was allowed to to live after the civil war let alone be successful. He was a president of a university which was then named after him. Mm-hmm. It was Washington University. Now it's still Washington and Lee University, named after the traitor responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. Sound like anybody we know? Jimmy Carter, in this bizarre effort, I, I guess Democrats can help themselves, hey, maybe it will help him get some votes on the right, pardons Jefferson Sessions. Mm-hmm. No, hey, wrong jefferson davis
1: jefferson davis yeah it, it's that's easy to mix those two up sentence. yeah 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 all right very easy mistake to make absolutely
0: it's true
1: yeah yeah after all mary robert E. lee was just fighting for states rights and that's kind okay. of noble because it's right there in the 10th amendment that's the nonsense of the lost cause right that we're we're gonna exactly. make up this bullshit patina of well they were justified you know they just wanted to be free right
0: oh that's Wait, and obvious it nonsense it like, yeah the- Southern culture was noble and whatever.
3: Yeah, right.
0: It was basically a closed fascist state run by uh, people who were um, total. I don't want to get them off the hook by saying they were sociopaths, but they were sadists. And they got they enjoyed owning, torturing and murdering other human beings. So, yeah. Not entirely sure how the whole genteel thing came about, but (laughs) right. uh, Well, you know,
1: those southern uh, landowners had the CEO mentality that we see today, which is that well, it's only business. This is just business. I'm I'm getting these people to work for free as slaves, you know, because of the economy, and so therefore it's okay to enslave them to uh, preserve our southern economy and therefore our southern way of life. And that was the bullshit justification for all of it. But one of my main concerns, Mary, about moving forward from our current point and using reconstruction as kind of a, a template for where we are right now today in 2021 is if We are still dealing with the damage from ending reconstruction and the lost cause 150 years after the Civil War. My concern is by not reconstructing the country now that we're still going to be dealing with the fallout from this period of time, 150 years from now. And that's the thing that really depresses me. Are we going to have to wait that long now to repair the damage from this period of time?
0: Well, part of the problem is just to 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 go back quickly to what you were saying about the economic model of the s- southern slave states is the same mentality it exists today. There, that's the reason the minimum wage, which is seven twenty five federally, yeah. hasn't been raised in how many how many years, decades? Right. So. Um, You know, that's that's what happens when when the your main um, metric for. Is the country doing well is the economy or Mm -hmm. worse, because Donald's an idiot, the stock market. Um, Anyway, I'm very worried um, because I think if we don't come to terms with. Because, as you say, we—it's not just coming to terms with, with what's happening now. We still have to go through all the coming to terms with reconstruction and Jim Crow and
3: mm-hmm.
0: all of that stuff as well. Plus, school to prison pipeline and the all that stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: Um, it's that if we don't do that, um, and we don't understand what's required and what is required to do that, is we need to become a democracy. Mm-hmm. And that can only happen if the Democrats get rid of the filibuster and expand the Supreme Court. If those things don't happen, then it's over. Yeah. Because if you think there will ever be a free and fair election again, if Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema have their way, then I would say you're wrong.
3: <laughs> there, mm-hmm.
0: and, and Democrats will never be able to win Arizona and Georgia again. And that's or Pennsylvania, and that's all they need they need just need to win those three states by one vote, and we can run the table, and it won't matter um, you- so the answer is yes, um but. America won't be America anymore.
1: And, you know, along those lines, one thing that constantly weighs on me is the very real notion that politics is no longer about just debating the issues and whoever has the best set of facts at their disposal wins the argument that is gone. Those days are over. It's now an ongoing existential crisis, isn't it? Knowing that if the other side wins, it could be the end of the republic as we know it. It's like, holy shit, there could be no more democracy after the next election. That's a terrible thing to have weighing on our shoulders constantly.
0: It is uh, quite exhausting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And You're right. It's not about it's not about policy at all. Um, and we 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 see see this most recently and how the whole Afghanistan thing played out on the right and in the media. Uh, it's just they, they can't tell the truth about anything. Um, and it is an existential crisis. The problem is we're all exhausted. Because there was no reprieve, maybe for a couple of hours on November 7th. Obviously, that was a very good thing, but it didn't last Mm -hmm. because the big lie started immediately. And very shortly after that, it became very obvious the Republicans weren't going to do anything just like they didn't do anything in 2016. And then the insurrection and on and on and on. And now the insurrection is this wonderful thing that happened with wonderful patriotic people. Um, And we still have seditionists serving in Congress. Mm -hmm. So what I try to remember, even though I'm (laughs) very exhausted as well, (laughs) is, you know, black people uh, have been dealing with much, much worse, unabated for centuries. Mm. And they're not giving up. So how dare I? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to tap out on occasion if necessary, <laughs> but to get depressed or cynical, which is very hard not to do, um, isn't an option. And it, it's hard sometimes, especially when, you know, it's um, people who are supposed to be on your side. Like I sent out this totally innocuous tweet this morning, mm. as soon as I heard about Texas. And it basically said, um, I can't, I can't believe things are getting worse something something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't think it was possible for things to keep getting worse. I think was my tweet. And then the response from like people who were allegedly uh, in in my camp were like, you know, uh it that's it's a mistake to say that things can always get worse. I'm like, oh, my God. It's a fucking tweet that I tweeted at like seven o'clock in the morning. Shall I correct it? The record oh, for you? God. Obviously, I know things can always get worse. But you know what? I don't feel like being that cynical right now. I'm just depressed and sad and terrified. Yeah. it's <laughs> you know, like sapping that, like having to expend energy. Now, obviously, part of the problem is like we're also hypersensitive that like nor I think under normal circumstances, I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> but yeah. like, that kind yeah. of stuff really bothers me now. I don't know.
1: Right. It's the old notion, the Patton Oswalt thing of it's chaos. Be kind. And if you're mm-hmm. on, if you're generally in agreement with someone else on politics right now, your best option is to just be kind we don't need to be contradicting each other we certainly don't need to be parsing each other's tweets and and doing the same bullshit reactions to those things that are so endemic of uh social media it it gets frustrating sometimes let's just be excellent to each other i mean again we're all you know those of us who are of like mind and like values we're all struggling with the same thing, so let's keep yeah. that in mind. But elsewhere, politics has really become a blood sport, and yeah. we're we're now in danger personally if we stick our necks out. I, one of the first things I ever asked you on this show, Mary, was... Are you OK? Are you safe? I asked this of uh, Dr. Leah Torres, who performs abortions in in uh, Alabama, of all places. Are you safe? Are you OK? Because I know that if you put yourself out there and especially if your focus is on, you know, hot button issues, certainly like race or abortion or things like that, you're going to get in trouble. I mean, you're going to get doxxed. You're going to get stalked. And I'm personally still coming to terms with how to navigate this for the next 40 years of my life. If I live that long, how do I keep doing my career covering politics? If it's now become this blood sport where we're not just disagreeing, we're beating each other over over the head, literally with weaponry. And that's how politics has devolved here.
0: Well, and to be fair, we're not beating anybody over the head. It's all the other side doing it. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm I'm actually ashamed to admit this, but if I'm in a store and somebody's not wearing mask, I leave. I don't ask them to put it on. Mm-hmm. Because I for all I know, they'll like jump on me and start coughing in my face or something. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't trust them because they've again been given permission to do whatever the fuck they want, mm-hmm. even if it if it if it's physical violence, um, because they think Donald did it so they can do it with impunity. Um, I mean, when you let somebody get away with murdering 700,000 Americans like Robert E. Lee, like Donald John Trump. Why shouldn't you think that you can do whatever the fuck you want as long as you're doing it from the right? So um, it is very worrisome because, again, all of this is being endorsed either quietly or explicitly by every single elected Republican. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: and. It is it, it, it. These aren't isolated incidents. It is uh, political. And how do we navigate uh, the next however many years we have on the planet? If we feel that it's incumbent upon us to keep doing the work Um And I don't know, I I guess this probably isn't really comforting, but honestly, it happens to everybody on the left. Everybody I know who's a commentator or in politics gets death threats like like it's just a a day ending in Y. Um, (laughs) So the good news is that um, very rarely are the threats um, carried out or even acted upon or planned, um, so like i I had I only had one serious threat in the last when I, I don't know how long it's been the last seven hundred billion millennia. Mm-hmm. I think it's been since <laughs> my first book came out. Um, and you know the FBI was right on it. Oh, that's good. and nothing happened. Um, so you know it wasn't fun. Having my a picture of my house and my address published on a website, but you know they flagged yeah. it immediately. They got in touch with me immediately, and they took care of it. Yeah. So you know, and I did what I felt I needed to do in order to feel comfortable. Um, but I think it's the same thing. We're de- we we need to again be really clear. We're dealing with terrorists. Yep. And the best way to deal with terrorists is to face them
3: mm-hmm.
0: just like with bullies and not back down. Cause that's what they want us to do. They want to keep us quiet. They want to, and that's, that's why I think that's one of the reasons they're so into guns because um, you know, they, they think it's, I've, I've never understood this people who, who can't go grocery shopping without three AK 47s attached <laughs> to their bodies think they're tough guys. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I walked down the, the, be, the mean streets of Manhattan at night without a weapon Mm -hmm. and I'm a wimp. Okay. But that aside, (laughs) it's because if you're, it's sort of like running into the maskless COVID carrier. You don't want to confront them because if somebody, if I go into, thank goodness, I live in New York and Massachusetts. um, If I'm somewhere and somebody's packing heat, I'm not going to confront them. Right. Because, you know, I. I have a sec- secondary black belt in Taekwondo. It's not really good against bullets if you're far enough away from the person <laughs> with the gun.
1: You mean you can't deflect a bullet with a nunchuck, Mary?
0: You know, it's, I didn't mean, <laughs> That's, that's savvy from Boogie nunchucks. Nights.
1: I, I always have to quote Boogie Nights. That's
0: one of that's my favorite kind of, movies. I seen, I, wow, my bad. I haven't seen that in so long. <laughs> I about that. Anyway, exactly. But you can't, you can't do that apparently. And <laughs> Wonder Woman is not typically hanging out with me. <laughs>
1: right oh man yeah and you know going back to Ted Lasso uh one of the things Jason Sudeikis has said about the character of Ted Lasso is you know we can't change the things around us but we can change how we react to them
0: right and and that of course is a project made harder by the fact that um you know a lot of us are feeling pretty weak right now yeah um because being able to do that does require some inner strength, mm-hmm. um, and the I, I think so many of us just feel really raw and um, hurt
3: mm-hmm. that
0: it's it does make it a little bit harder in in the moment to say you know I just kind of need to take a step back here yeah. and just be kind, whatever it is, especially if somebody's pushing our buttons, but it is definitely something to aspire to. And I think one thing that would help and I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody with this, but uh, just as I said, during the election, I, I think it's even more true now. Stop wasting your time on people who, um, who support this cruelty, who endorse mm-hmm. this cruelty, who are this cruel, stop wasting your time on them. Yeah, It's draining yeah. it. Nothing. It's going to make a difference. <laughs> unless it's somebody you really care about and you think they're worth saving, Jill Weinbank schooled me on this <laughs> appropriately so that you you know there's some people you don't want to lose hope. And and I understand that entirely and in which in that case if you really do think deep down they're still a good person, then you just talk to them about, you know, the horrific consequences of the last 4 years and why how why they're okay with it and yeah. maybe get to them that way. Everybody else just don't even let them in your head for a second, they're not worth the energy.
1: yeah, I mean we when we reconvene here on the show, Mary, at some point in the not too distant future, we got to talk about the uh, dealing with our own friends and family who may have been sucked into the red hat cult and and how how best to navigate those very, very choppy waters. But in the meantime, what do you think? Is there a way to pull up before the airplane crashes into the ground?
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately we're dependent on other people to do that. Um, the only people who can ensure uh, that we have the opportunity to do that are our elected Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and all we can do right now is impress upon them in a concerted unified way that they're ridiculous clinging to these anti-democratic policies in the name of saving democracy, I guess, um, is going to get us all killed. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I Mm -hmm. mean, between COVID running rampant in these red States, which by the way, you can't contain COVID as long as we still have people flying. Um, and the millions of women who've just been put in harm's way in Texas, um, You know, people are dying. And if, like, the California, if if people think that the California recall or uh, that California is becoming a a red state, um, given that it's, you know, kind of at the forefront of combating climate change and it's the seventh largest economy in the world, if people think that that's not going to affect the rest of the country, they're insane. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to... Um, impress upon our elected officials as best, who are Democrats, obviously, as best that we can, because for reasons beyond my comprehension, they seem not to understand the seriousness of the threat we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. They seem not to understand that not only is bipartisanship not possible, it's also not something to be desired. How do you make common cause with a Republican party that is against democracy? Why would you want to make common cause with a party that is fascists? So I'm not entirely sure why sitting senators don't understand these things when you and I do. Um, but clearly they need, they need to be, either they need to be educated more or like more horrible shit needs to happen. Like just happened in Texas. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what else you need to convince you that the Supreme court needs to be expanded. Oh God. It's stole three seats from us. Yeah. Six of the seven, no, sorry. Five of the six Republican quote unquote, Republican justices were installed by people who lost the popular vote.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. The the Supreme Court now represents about 25% of the American people. So... I guess, I mean, maybe bad things need to keep happening. But the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be to stop the slide.
1: The book is called The Reckoning, maybe the most important volume of our time. Just the right book, just the right topic for this period of time, Mary. So congratulations on this uh, piece of work. It's an incredible feat. It's available everywhere you buy your books. And of course, you can follow Mary at uh, Mary L. Trump on Twitter. Links in the description for all of it. Thank you so much, my friend, for returning to the show. I hope we're not pestering you too much.
0: Are you kidding? (laughs) No, this is, you're amazing. I love hanging out with you. I wish it could be in person at some point. And we could just talk Star Trek. Very, very very soon. American democracy. Yeah, Yeah.
1: fingers crossed. We got to solve democracy and then we can get together and talk about Star Trek. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. (laughs) Okay. Take care, Mary. We'll talk to you next time.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Bye.
1: You bet. Bye-bye.